is so good to be here this morning, and you guys have made me feel so welcome. And uh, of course, we love our campus pastors, Chris and Nikki, and miss them. And we've had a great relationship for, with them. And I was thinking on my way here, we practice a lot of forgiveness, Nick. As they took off to the beach without me, I'm practicing today forgiveness. Um, but no, they are wonderful, and you are blessed to have them, and they are blessed to have you. We're in this thing together, and Nick was our media man at Central World Outreach, a whole, our Central location. He was always our media man. So you got him at North, and everybody's been asking me what's been wrong with our media now that we're using stick figures and things from the 1920s. <laughs> we're learning, but he has done just an, an incredible job. And my husband said, you know, most tech people are good behind the camera, but not in front. And so, but he's even got a gift in front of the camera. So they are just doing a mighty, mighty job, and we're so thankful for the job that they're doing. I have a word for you this morning, and I'm entitled it, We Still Have a Window. We Still Have a Window. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to some scripture here in a minute, but I just want to talk to you before we dive into the scripture. In the days that we are living, there's been one thing that I've been saying a lot that I've noticed myself saying, and that is, this is crazy. This is crazy. And sometimes when you, you hear yourself talk, has anybody been there? You, you hear you say things over and over. And one thing I've been saying is, this is crazy. I remember watching my television before COVID had ever came to America. And I remember watching the screen, and it was people in China in masks, and they were coming out. And I was sitting there in front of my TV going, this is crazy. And the next thing out of my mouth was, I'm so glad I live in America. I'm so glad to be in America. You know, like, and then I started praying, God, help them. And it wasn't much longer till they said it was coming here. And I'll never forget, we went to Walmart, and this is before masks or gloves or shutdowns or anything. It was just right at the beginning. And we went to Walmart. We were going to go fishing, and Colton or Kyan wanted to run in and get some bait. And I'm sitting there in the parking lot, and everybody starts coming out of Walmart with gloves and masks and carts running over with groceries. And all of a sudden, I started to recognize a spirit of fear that started moving among our nation, among our people. And I'm sitting there going, this is crazy. What is going on in our world? The Bible, what's it, what does the Bible have to say about our future? What does it even look like? There's commercials out that says we'll never go back to normal, and this is the new normal. What is happening in our society? I want to tell you that we still serve the same God. He is still on the throne no matter what situations are going on. He is in control, and he is looking for righteous men and women. He is searching this earth today for some righteous men and women of God to raise up. There was a day in a man named Noah. Everybody knows in the story of Noah. There was a day in Noah's life when he came down and he spoke a word to Noah. He said, Noah, you righteous man, I want you to build a boat. In that day, they didn't even know what a boat was. But aren't you glad that when we have a connection with God, he can give us things in the night season. He can tell us what to do. And he instructed this man, Noah, to build a boat. I'm sure there's people that laughed at him. Could you imagine? What are you doing, Noah? I'm building a what? A boat? There was people that made fun of him. Some 
Some scholars said it took him 120 years to build this thing called the boat, the ark. And he said for 120 years he preached the gospel, tried to get people to prepare their lives to get on this ark. He tried to get them to tell them that there was a flood coming. They hadn't even seen a drop of rain yet. But God prepared a man. He got him to build a boat. He got the animals to go in two by two. And the Bible says that God shuts the door. You know, only God, if he shuts the door, no man can open it. But if he opens a door, no man can shut it. I don't think Noah could have had to, I don't think he could have shut that door because there would have been relatives saying, Noah, open it up. Noah, let me on. I believe you now. The rain is coming, and as he's out there, he's been prepared. He's been made fun of. As a Christian, there's going to be times in your life you're going to be made fun of. But Noah kept on building. Noah was misunderstood, I'm sure, but he kept on building. And Noah labored without results. And that one's the one that struck up my heart just a little bit. He kept on without results. I've been teaching a Bible study at our church with our ladies, and we've been in the book of James. And I stumbled upon James 5.16 says, Confess your faults to each other so you may be healed. Confess your faults to each other so you may be healed. And as I started digging into this scripture, now I'm not going to tell you to get on social media and confess your faults to everybody. I'm not even going to tell you to confess your faults to just somebody that you don't even know. But I am going to tell you that there is power in prayer and agreement. When you have somebody in your life, a prayer warrior or a prayer partner, that you can confess your faults, there is power in that. And the Bible says that we can be healed when we begin to to express it. And one of the things I noticed with since we've had COVID and all this stuff, was the spirit of discouragement was sometimes attacking my life. I would get up on a Sunday, and I would look out, and I would see empty chairs, and man, that discouragement would just, it would start to just steal my heart. I want to tell you, I'm going to put a plug in. One of the best things that you can ever do for your pastor is come and sit in the chair. You will never know what it does for a pastor when they get up and they see your face out there in that congregation. It is amazing what it does. So I had to start to pray against that spirit of discouragement and ask some of those ladies, hey, you need to pray with me because there is strength in number. There is power in prayer. I thought about Noah being on the boat for, some scholars say, six months to a year. And I thought, hey, that's kind of like our lockdown, right? We, we had to stay inside our house. I'm sure for Noah it was a little bit worse on side of a boat with all animals and stinky. But we had something similar. We were locked inside our home for a while. I'll never forget my husband came to me because I'm a little bit energetic and ambitious and I don't like to be confined or constrained or any of those things and I don't like and I guess I'm a little bit not good with change sometimes change bothers me and other times it don't but I remember him coming to me and he said Tony you know the president of the United States has asked us to give him two weeks and we need to give him two weeks and I said well what are we giving him he said well we're not gonna leave our house for two weeks and we're gonna go online with church and I thought that there was just this devastation, like, what? And he said, just for two weeks. And I was good for two weeks because I thought I was doing something that was great and I was helping. But by the end of two weeks, Sandy, I was going a little bit crazy. When they said I had to go a little bit further and a little bit further. But I think of Noah, he was on lockdown inside this boat. But as he was on lockdown, he was safe inside the ark. He knew that he maybe didn't like the circumstances, but he knew he was safe with Jesus Christ. He was safe inside the ark. 
Church, we are safe with Jesus. No matter what is going on in our earth, we are safe inside the ark or the ship, as you might, as we're sailing on to heaven. We are safe with Jesus. Jesus will take care of us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 24, verse 37. I'm going to pray for just a moment. God, I just thank you that your presence is in this place, and I felt you from the moment I walked in the door. I just thank you, Father God, that your word, you said it will never return void, and God, that you have healing power in this place today. We just thank you, Father God, you would anoint your servant, and we just thank you that the word would accomplish its purpose in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. It says in verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding in the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. As I begin reading this scripture, see, there's this new, new thing going around that everybody's going to heaven. But when you read this scripture, it says one's going to be left and another taken. This scripture says it a little bit different, but what does it say for us to do? Watch, because we don't know the day or the hour. He could come tomorrow. He could come a thousand years. He could come for you in the next five minutes. We do not know when the Son of Man will, will, will come. But what we do know is that he will. God could be speaking to us to prepare and to watch. I've been just driving lately, just taking a little drive here and there. And uh, I've just noticed the sky is so beautiful. I have seen so many beautiful skies. And I called my husband one night coming home. I was like, would you look at this sky? It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. I said, sometimes I feel like that he's right there and he's making everything so pretty because he's so close. He is coming back for a church. Also rainbows. I have saw more rainbows in the last couple months than I've saw my entire life. And I get excited about that. I'm like taking pictures and snapping. It's another rainbow. And you know what the rainbow means? It's a promise. It is a promise that God said, I'll never flood the earth again. But when I see a rainbow, I see that he's my comforter that's never going to forsake me or leave me. That he is with me. I see all the promises of God because there's a lot of them in this book. So when I see a rainbow, I see the promise of the God. It says that you and your household shall be saved and believe upon his name and he is there. He answers prayer. I see a lot of promises when I see the rainbow. We have been talking a lot of preachers and my husband and I included, I mean, years before 2020, 2020, the year of vision, 2020, the year of vision. And some people have been saying, well, 2020 doesn't look anything like perfect vision because that's what we would say. 2020 is perfect vision. And they would begin to question. And one day I said, God, I said, I need to, I need an answer. I need to know what you meant when you said 2020 vision. What do you mean by that? Because it looks like that things are going crazy. And when I think of 2020 vision, I think of everything perfect, everything great. And God began to speak to me, and he said, do you remember a couple years ago that you had a little bit trouble seeing? I said, yeah, I kind of remember that. 
And I was one of these people that was never, ever going to wear glasses. I just wasn't going to do it. I was going to be able to see the rest of my life good. So, you know, I started reading because I'm an avid reader. I love it. And it began to get a little bit harder each year for me to read. I began to notice a little bit of change and a little bit of change. And I'd buy the readers. And I would try to then read with the readers. And sometimes these didn't work. And finally, I made an appointment with an eye doctor. And I came in there, and he did all the eye exam, and he came back into the room, and he said, your vision close-up is terrible. And he said, and not only that, but your vision far away is a little bit bad, too. And he said, they make these things called bifocals, and you get to have them. And I was like, oh, is that exciting or what? And so he began to work to give me perfect vision. Now, I'm still getting used to them, and I prefer not to wear them, but it's really hard when you look down and you can't see anything. You, then you, oh, there's the words. Rob said, I feel pe- sorry for the people that read your text, because not only are you a bad speller and you're bad at grammar, but you're trying to do it half blind. So who knows what they're getting? But he started talking to me about vision, and he said, could it be that the church, their vision had grown so dim that they didn't even recognize it? Could it be that their vision had grown so poorly away from me and they didn't even recognize it? He said, Tanya, I've come back to restore the church to perfect vision. That's in me. All the entertainment was shut down. You couldn't go out to eat. You couldn't go to a ball game. You were in your house, but what did you turn to? For most of us, I thought, man, this is great. I have more time to read the Bible than I've ever had in my life. I have more time just to sit around the table and talk to my kids than I've ever had in my life. Nobody's coming. Nobody's going. It's just us. We're in this great big bubble. What was he doing? He was turning our vision toward him. He was turning our focus toward him. He was taking our focus and vision back to our first love. He was restoring some things that we we didn't even know were was gone. Could he be pre- preparing us for the days ahead? Could he be speaking to us through these seasons for the days ahead? He did Noah. He told Noah what to do. Could he be speaking to me and you what to do in the days ahead? I was sitting at my desk months ago, and he told me this word lawlessness. And I began to search it in my Bible, and I wrote all the scripture down, and then I misplaced it. And I kept on saying, God, I know that you were speaking something about lawlessness. And then shortly after, you turned on every news, every news station was like, it's lawlessness, lawlessness. Lawlessness is a state of disorder due to disobeying the law and getting by with it. We see that everywhere you turn. Lawlessness that you are disobeying the law, but yet getting by with it. I went on to just dig a little bit further. The Bible says the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It says it's already been here and already at work. The Antichrist spirit is in in operation. Some scholars believe that he is being prepared in this world today. So if the Antichrist is being prepared, how much more should the church be prepared? How much more should we be preparing for the coming of our Lord? Lawlessness is at work today. There's an Antichrist spirit that's going to rise up, but we got God that's going to take us through. He is doing something great in our midst. He is giving us a window of opportunity. He is giving us a window of opportunity. 
There has been so many people says, what's going on? You know what? It just opens a door to begin a conversation. I've had more people text me that are far from Christ wanting to talk about what's going on. It opens this window of opportunity to witness. It opens a window of opportunity to compel our lost loved ones that they need to get on this great ship of Zion. They need to get on the ark. I was thinking about how many men and women have built what we call the church. How many men and women have sacrificed and gave their life? I, when, I, when I come into a house of God, I never want to take it for granted. There's people that are not allowed together. They're not allowed to worship freely. When I come, I think of all the sacrifices that have been made and all the people that we have walked up on to get to where we are, that we can enter a place of worship. I do not take it lightly. We um, had a preacher friend, and he's went on to be with Jesus, but he was an old-fashioned, old-time preacher. And he was preaching, and while he was preaching, this lady had a vision. She said, Mr. Clinton, and can I tell you about my vision? She said, when I was sitting in the church, and as you were preaching this message, she said, I saw all this wood. And she said, it was just wood being dropped. And then she said, I saw these animals just running in and out. And she said, as I got closer, I realized it was the ark. And I realized that the animals that were playing on the ark didn't go on the ark. And she said, God spoke to me and said, you can't just play church. You've got to get in church. You've got to be Jesus's hands and feet. For John 9, 4 says, I must do the works of him that sent me while it's day, the night come when no man can work. Church, we've been given an opportunity. We've been given a day to work for the Lord. We had this gentleman in our church. He was just on fire for God. He did all of our outreach ministries. He would get blessed sometimes, and he would just dance. And I remember just the joy of heaven would just fall in that place. One day he prophesied. He said, this church has been given a window of opportunity. God is still saying to our church, you've been given a window of opportunity. You've been given a season to work for me. You've been given a season to call men and women, boys and girls, to the kingdom. You have been called for such a time as this. In 1 Thessalonians, it says the one who called you is completely dependable. Do you know when God calls us to do a work, he, he can do it. He is completely dependable, and if he said it, he'll do it. In Isaiah, he says, I giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increased strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In these days, the Lord is our strength. He is our joy. We need genuine warriors in the kingdom of God. We need genuine warriors, but sometimes we can look and we can see that they are absent. Jesus speaks of this when he says, man, the fields, man, there's a huge harvest, but the labors are few. Now, we are a military family. I have two boys that serve our country, but even before they went, we've always been patriotic. We've always been thankful for what God has given us. We've always been thankful that we live in America and that he allowed us that opportunity. And we've always taught our boys to respect the flag because men and women gave their life for our freedom. We taught them to respect it. It doesn't matter that you don't agree with everything that goes on. 
There's somebody's son that's laying in the graveyard somewhere because they fought for you. There's somebody's spouse that didn't come home because they fought for you. And because of that, we, our household, now everybody else can do what they want, but our household, we're going to respect the flag. We're going to stand for that. We're going to honor those who serve. So we've all, all, always have been just a military family, believing in our soldiers and praying for our soldiers. Our, everybody knows 9-11 happened, and um, if you weren't at the X conference, Chris Wallace preached one of the most awesome messages I've ever heard, and I've been kind of still feasting on it, but he preached about this generation that's rising up, and sometimes people look at this generation, they don't know, and they don't understand, and, but I see something great in this generation, and they said this generation came in with 9-11 and now this. So they've seen a lot of ups and downs and ins and outs and heartache. Everybody can probably say, I knew where I was, 9-11. We, we all can pretty much know in our mind. And for us, we were in our second storefront, and we were meeting with a lady, and we were having this meeting, and she stopped, and she got something on her phone, or somebody called her or something, and she looked at us, and she said, we have been attacked. America has been attacked, and they've bombed our trace, and she was just going, you know, crazy, because nobody knew what was going on, and we stopped and had prayer, and my first thought is, I've got to get my boys. I've got to get home to my kids. I've got to, you know, like, if we're under attack, I've got to get home. I mean, I'm their defender, and I'm their protector. I've got to get home, and we rushed home, and we got with our boys and we'd been watching the news all day and they said all the planes were grounded all of a sudden that night we're sitting in the house and we feel our house start to shake and we thought oh my gosh because the first thing you thought if we're under attack it could be like somebody dropping bombs or something and Rob runs out and my little five-year-old ran out with him and there was a f-16 fighter pilot going over our house and a fighter jet and when we stepped back inside my little five-year-old looked at his daddy and we were from Tennessee so he had that Tennessee accent he drew all the words out he said and he looked at him and he said dad I know what God wants me to be and he was five and Rob looked back at him and said well what is it Colton what is God calling you to do he said he is calling me to defend my country that's what he is calling me to do I'm going to be in the United States Air Force and so he was five and lots of times you just think oh that's, a, that's nice that's a little kid just saying something but it never changed first grade second grade third grade, fourth grade, he is going to be in the United States Air Force, and he's just not going to go any way. He's going to go through the academy. There were so many people that tried to discourage him. How can you think that you're doing that? You're from Wellston, Ohio. You don't have the education. You don't have what it takes, but he kept on because he knew that he had a call from God, and that was his call to serve his country. He knew, he knew that was what he would needed to do. See, there are brave individuals in the military. They are able able to, to do ridiculous things in their field, ridiculous, crazy things in their field for no other reason than they don't know the meaning of impossible. You didn't hear me. They could do ridiculous things because they don't know the meaning of impossible. They, it's not that they don't comprehend it, but they won't agree to it being an acceptable outcome. So in the church, when God says all things are possible, how much more should we say, hey, we, we, don't, we know what impossible is, but we have a God of a, that says nothing, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. As Colton furthered his career, he graduated from the academy. 
And at first he had a pilot slot and he thought he was going to be a pilot. And he had a slot and he called me one day and he said, Mom, I'm giving it up. And I was shocked. I was like, why would you give up your dream? And he said, I don't know. But he said, I just need to give it up. It's not what God has for me. A couple of months later, he called me and he said, I know why that I'm not going to do that. And I said, why? He said, because I'm going to do special forces. And everybody asked me, what do you think about your son wanting to do special forces? If it's God's will, so be it. If it's God's will, I want him in God's will. So that's what I started to learn, the incredible, impossible things that they had to do. And he would call me because they would drop him out in the middle of the ocean at nighttime and make them swim and do all these crazy things. And I, I thought, this is crazy. Why would anybody want to do that in their right mind? He said, but mom, there's something in me that just keeps telling me. So he tried out once, maybe even twice. Both times he failed. And he came back and he said, you know, him and Jenna, he met this beautiful young lady. They got married, thought that they had the dream. Living in Colorado, they had the perfect job. They're in the Space Force, they're over people. I mean, it looked everything like it was perfect. And I got, I got a call that he told me about, it's probably been about a year ago now, that he rededicated his life fully and truly over back to God. He said, I'd been slipping some places. And I rededicated. And he said, but with that, God is calling me to leave what I know and try for one more time for special forces. I said, what's your wife say about that? You know, you're telling her, hey, we're just married and I'm going to leave you for a couple of years. And I'll never forget it. She said, if that is what God told you to do, then you do it and we'll make it. That to me touched my heart so much because there's very few people that would do that. So Colton set out to try one more time. He got there, and he was in the second day, and he fractured both of his chins. So they came to him and said, you know what, nice try, but there's no way that you can keep on going. And he looked back, and he said, well, I didn't come here to go home. Even if I have to crawl, I'm going to finish my week. I don't care what it takes. He said, I'm going to finish my week. There was 26 of them. They went through the week. At the end, they had to go in one by one to see if they make it. And he was sure. He probably didn't make it. He was injured. But he said, when I stood before them and they did my interview, the last thing they said, the welcome to the Special Forces Service. And they let him in. He said, uh, he said Mom, he said, I was so excited. He said, but then, he said, when I came out. He said, five of us made it out of the 26. He said, two other ones said, I know that this is a call of God on my life. And he said, me too. He said, three of us all said, this is what God has called us to do. I am so thankful that God is still calling men and women to his kingdom. He is still calling them to serve. He has still placing his hand upon them. He is still giving us a vision. He is still giving us an opportunity in, in this season to witness. For thousands of years, darkness posed an incredible challenge to strategists and warriors alike. How can you wage war without being able to see? How can you wage war without being able to see? But they came up with night vision, that they were able to see in the night. You see, God gives us vision in the night season to be able to see. The enemy is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In Psalms 91, King David, he was a warrior. He had access with God. He, could, he had confidence to tackle any season. When he was in a night season, it was very easy to become questioning. Before he knew it, he could find himself zapped of courage and confidence. But how was David able to be so confident in his night season? 
Because David did not wait until the day of battle to know his God. He trained during all seasons. Church, that's where we are. We've got to train during all seasons. We've got to train in the night season. We've got to train in the good season. We've got to train. Warriors don't just happen. You are a result, a detailed and con- a development process. You can only be ready as your training allows you to be. No night season will last forever, and every storm passes. However, the time to prepare for your battle is now. In 2 Samuel, he just says this last thing, and I'm closing. He says, challenge those thoughts and fears and doubts and insecurities or cravings that are trying to prey on you in the midst of your valley or dark moments. We can rise above because with Jesus, we can be victorious in any season. Well, we are so excited about what God just did at Outreach North and just want to say that if you had an experience with Jesus today, we want to hear about it. Head over to outreachnorth.church forward slash ON Connect to let us know what Jesus just did in your life. And hey, our Sunday worship experiences are just one hour out of the week, so we want to connect with you during the other 167 hours. Give us a follow on Instagram at Outreach North so we can connect with you wherever you are.